so that these people may eat. This he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign which he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Thank you, Nathan. I think we are on. That's nice. So good to see you. And there's a few more that have come in since uh, since we started. Uh, we uh, we're we're just two blocks away from where all the people are running and and uh, we think of the the how hard that is and how much training has gone into that and how focused they are I hope we uh, we are that focused ourselves here as we uh, we worship and as as we listen to God's word so um, as we were preparing for uh, today uh, I had this this notion that we might have fresh bread. We might have fresh bread. Um, there's a there's a thought that goes with that. Uh, I was I was with um, uh, Randy Harris and I was helping listen to young preachers and uh, in a class and a, and a guy got up and he started off on his sermon and he started off with an illustration that. Everybody had heard. Everybody knew. It was an old, and and Randy just stopped him and he said, I'm sorry. We came for fresh bread. And he made the guy sit down. It was very abrupt. We came for fresh bread. And I thought, it would be good on the day you talk about Jesus as the bread of life to have this different uh, experience in your mouth that is just making you awake to the fact that it is uh, fresh bread. So uh, I, I looked for a recipe because I knew we could probably get some folks to bake it if I could find a recipe. So I, I googled best communion bread. And, and I, I get this Google display and, and, uh, and one of them uh, is on Pinterest. And I thought, well, you know, if you can tell people that you Googled something and you got it off Pinterest, then you're close to the kingdom of God, you know. And, and so I click on one and what comes up is this picture of, of, a, of, a, of a wonderful meal at a table. And, and the story says... After driving all day from Dallas to Breckenridge, we were getting ready for supper and 
and remembered that we hadn't had the Lord's Supper yet. And I'm going, hmm. People who drive all day on Sunday and when they get to Breckenridge, they're worried about the Lord's Supper. My kind of folks, okay. And, 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 and so the, he goes on and said, as, as it turned out, one of our people that was joining us had brought communion bread that she had baked at home. Using the recipe she got from, from her roommate when she was at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. And I thought, we can use this bread. And so, and so we have that bread that, uh, where are our, our people that baked for us? Uh, Mary, who's your, your cohorts in baking today? Okay, they're, they're around. Thank you. It's, it's sweet. And then um, I thought, well, we should have something gluten-free because it's Austin. Um, uh, the only thing that would make it better is if it had been baked at an animal shelter. Uh, that, would, that would have made it a little better. But, uh, but so, we, so we have some gluten-free, and, that's, and the gluten-free is really good. We made that at our house last night, and it's really, really appropriate. To make the bread. And then we have the story that we've read this morning of Jesus having all these people follow him. And they follow him, and they, they are, are hanging on every word. But as they go through the day, uh, they are uh, getting hungry. And, and maybe they should be sent away to go home, but they stay. And, and at some point, they are, they're hungry enough, and they are, they're, I don't know what the sound of 5,000 growling stomachs is. I don't know what that is, but... Um, the word comes and Jesus says, well, feed them. We can't, we can't feed them. It would take months and months of wages to feed all these people. And you know the story because the feeding of the 5,000 is the, the miracle that's in all four Gospels. It's, it's the one that's in all four Gospels. It's important. And so they, stand, they sit down and, and what they have are uh, five loaves and two fish. And Jesus uh, takes it and, and blesses it and breaks it and they distribute it. And everybody has enough. And there are baskets left over. And what looked like a, um, a crisis ends up being an occasion of abundance. And so Jesus and the disciples, they try to get away. And there's the episode of walking on the water. And, and the people uh, follow Jesus because they think maybe he would make a good king because the supply line would be very short. You wouldn't have to have your quartermaster back putting supplies in the, in the line. Just have a, a loaf of bread or two and your king could make bread and fish and feed you what an army you would be. But Jesus then, uh, in John chapter 6, begins to talk to them in verse 26. And he says, I tell you the truth, 
That's the verily, verily I say unto you. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And they ask, what works does God require? And he says, the work of God is this, to believe on the one he sent. And they say, well, what sign will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert, and as it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. As an aside, one of the things that we wanted to do with the bread this morning is make sure that it was more like the manna, that it was at least a little sweet. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread is he. And they say, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. As I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. And he goes on to talk about himself as the bread of life. We're going to have an opportunity to go into this text a little bit more deeply when Annette does the communion devotional. But, but here, just with this teaching, we're invited to, to see Jesus as the central source of nourishment in our life. There's nothing more common than bread. You have to say that in this sermon. That everybody in every culture, everywhere, eats something that's bread. You know how it is that that in in uh, in America it's a sandwich in in uh, in in Mexico it's a it's a taco in in uh, um, Italy it's a it's a, a cannelloni you got you got to wrap something in a pasta you got to wrap something in bread you got to wrap there's bread everywhere and every day around the world. People eat their bread. Now, they eat their bread because every day they're hungry. And if you are attuned to the the world situation, then maybe today you know where people are hungry. Maybe you know the situation of hundreds of thousands and perhaps several millions of people in the south of Sudan. Uh, maybe today you know the, the, the trouble that is going on in the Re- Democratic Republic of the Congo. Maybe you know what those, those faces look like in the refugee villages in Bangladesh. 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 Uh, Maybe you know what those faces look like. 
Maybe you have seen the pictures out of Syria in the places where people have been held in siege. And you know that face of hunger and you know what it is to hear the plea to save the children or to provide bread for a hungry world. You see that. And it is a part of our place in the world to love God and to love others, to hear the call of those who are hungry. At our little meal on Wednesday night where 35 people come in off the streets for supper and and worship, When they come in and they stand for our sandwiches or our soup or our lasagna or whatever it is that week, we don't know where they had their last meal. We don't know where they will get their next meal. We know they are awfully thankful for that meal. And we know what it's like to begin on Wednesday night with people who are hungry in line and have people walk out at the end of the the hour, hour and a half, thanking you for the food. We know what that's like. But you know what this text does? This text, text tells all who will ever read it that there's something more important than the way you're hungry for physical food. That Jesus is the one who said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That Jesus came to be the bread himself. And he came to say that the bread that God gave is he who has come into the world. So we know, we know that God has sent his son into the world to be our refreshment, to be our sustenance, to be our nurture, to be that which gives us energy and he gives us energy out of his very self. And there's a couple of things about that that I think are important to, to, to note. One is, your hunger can be satisfied, but it will return. And you will be hungry for physical food every day, and you will need physical food every day. In the very same way, our need for Jesus, our need to take in Jesus, our need to be nourished spiritually by Jesus is a constant, repeating hunger and need. Imagine being there with the apostles at the feeding of the 5,000 and, and they're walking around and they're, 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 they're probably hungry themselves. 
And they're walking around, and they're going, um, man, he looks hungry. And you know, Andrew, have you seen how hungry that hundred people look like they are? Have you, have you seen what people are talking about back at the back? Uh, the, the men are kind of listening and the women are kind of listening. The kids are kind of getting hungry. And, and while the adults may be kind of keeping it quiet, the, the kids are kind of talking about it. They're aware of the hunger there on the plain. It's important for us to be aware of the need and the hunger of the people around us. And, and, and of the danger of getting so spiritually malnourished that you almost aren't hungry anymore. That our, that our greatest joy, our greatest delight should be in having people sit before the Lord and receive Jesus, the bread of life, into their life. And to learn what it feels like to have the hunger for the best bread of heaven satisfied in Jesus. We need to remember that people get hungry for God. They may not know what to call it. They may not know how to label it. We may not be as attentive to the sounds of the growling spirits that are hungry in the world as we are to the growling stomachs that are in the world. But as the church that is the body of Jesus Christ, we are the ones who are most interested in dispensing Jesus, the bread of life, to the world. And we don't have to be stingy about it. We don't have to keep all the bread for ourselves. There's plenty. There's plenty. There's plenty of Jesus. There's plenty of bread. The second thing is I think each one of us might do well to, to reflect on how Jesus nourishes us. I mean, when you read that and you, you say, well, he's the bread of heaven who's come down to the world, that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. This is that first, the very first I am statement. I'm the bread of life. That, that's nice. That's nice. It, it looks good in the text. It looks good as the heading. It might look good in the sermon. But what is it about Jesus specifically that nourishes you. Well, here at the corner of John chapter 6, we might just look back. What, what was it in the first five chapters of John that caught your attention? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Everything that was made was made through Him, for Him. Uh, the Word became flesh and lived among us. Um, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen the Father 
But the only son, the one and only, who is in the bosom of the Father has made him known. Does that do anything? Where did that strike in your hunger for God? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Rabbi. Messiah. Christ. Son of man. Son of God. King of Israel. You will not make my house a den of thieves. Go get the water. And take some to the steward of the feast. Or maybe there in chapter 3 where Nicodemus comes and you hear that word, you must be born again. That Jesus tells a grown man, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you will not see eternal life. What does that do when Jesus says, I have come to make you new. I have come to let you be born again. I have, I've, where, where does that strike you? In your spiritual hunger, does that does that give you a crumb? Is that a cake? The woman at the well, I love her. She's a mess. And for all of the messes in the world... You have in John, as it's printed for us, you have the woman in chapter 4 and the woman in chapter 8. One who's been through multiple husbands, one who's caught in the act of adultery, and they're all brought to Jesus. They're all there in front of Jesus, and Jesus gives them all hope. All of them get hope. None of them get condemnation. Not one of them. And for me, that's kind of bread. For me, I can smell that in the kitchen. I can smell that when I walk through the front door of John chapter 4. You can smell the bread of heaven over the plain mountains of Samaria. And as Ben talked last week about the man who gets to stand for the first time in 38 years. And he gets to stand and and walk away from the place that he's been sitting. He gets to pick up his mat. He's not coming back. He's leaving a vacancy. And some of us know what it's like to be so broken inside, so busted up. Physically, emotionally, just busted up. That it's been a, it's been hard for us to stand up in this world for a long time. And that for Jesus to kind of sidle up next to us in our brokenness and say, "If you want to get well, today's the day. Today's the day. If you want to." Let's stand. I know where all your bones are connected. 
I know exactly the way they're meant to be connected, and I know all the ways yours are connected. I know every sinew that works in you and every sinew that doesn't you. I know everything there is to know about your brokenness and what you could be if you were healthy. I know everything. Stand with me. Sometimes, sometimes you don't need to just think about bread for the world. But you need to think how the, the loaf of bread that Jesus is functions in your own heart. Because if we don't know how Jesus satisfies us, We don't have a great heart to share that with anybody else. When somebody says that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Something important has been said about John chapter 6. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, come. Feed us, fill us, so that we might find others who are famished and need filling. Today I hope you know where Jesus fills you. And today I hope you have a heart to share the bread of heaven with others. Let's stand together.